welcome to the Farming on Purpose podcast, a podcast for farmers and ranchers ready to shift for a stronger future. Today's challenges in agriculture are new, but the grit and determination required to be successful are not. On the Farming on Purpose podcast, you'll hear how producers of all sizes and practices are moving mountains for things they believe in, all in the name of an industry that keeps growing and innovating for a stronger food system and stronger farm families. I'm your host, Lexi Wright, and I'm excited to discuss where producers are finding success, challenging the status quo, striving for better, and keeping our heritage alive, all while producing the food we depend on. The Farming On Purpose podcast is turning a year old, and we think it's high time to invite you into our mission. Be sure to follow me on Instagram for weekly giveaways in October leading up to our one-year anniversary. You can find me at right at the moment. That's right, just like my last name. To get more info on how you can enter the giveaways this month, join us in the Farming On Purpose Facebook group or sign up for updates in your inbox at farmingonpurpose.com. While you're there, check out the new merch we just dropped in the shop. You'll find t-shirts, stickers, and notebooks, all inspired by the people building ag legacies. Thanks so much for being here. Welcome back to Farming on Purpose. Today, I have Jana Arp with me on the podcast and very excited to talk with her about her experiences um, in agriculture, advocating for agriculture, and growing up and living on a ranch in Texas. So Jana was both born and raised in Texas and is deeply connected to agriculture, cowboy heritage, and the Western way of life. She lives on a ranch with her husband, Jimmy, and they care for their cattle and the land. Um, professionally, she has quite the list of roles. So I'm going to dive into those and then I will let Jana fill in the gaps for anything I miss. Um, Partnership and Advertising Manager for Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association, uh, President of the Fort Worth Chapter for Ag Women Connect, a platform dedicated to promoting education among women in agriculture, which I'm sure we'll talk more about. Um, founding member of Cowgirls and Cocktails, a movement empowering women in the Western and ag industries. And then one of the most fulfilling roles that she has is sponsorship and marketing director for Jan- Jackson Anthony Memorial Foundation, where she helps raise funds for infant burials, making a meaningful impact in her community. Um, Jana is passionate about sharing the beauty of agriculture and Western fashion on her social media platforms, which is how I discovered her on TikTok. Um, and quickly enjoyed seeing your content there, Jana. Um, and then in her free time, she enjoys outdoors, hunting, antiquing, and traveling. Maybe some of your antiquing will rub off on me because I love seeing the beautiful pieces that people find, but I just don't have the patience required for finding that piece. So I need to learn from people like you. But that was a very brief overview. Fill in the gaps for us about where you're at, what you're up to, and what things you got going on. Sure. Well, first, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on this podcast with you. Um, I did grow up in Texas on a small ranch south of Fort Worth, and we raised Hereford cattle. And then we had land out in East Texas, um, where most of our cattle was, and we would go back and forth out there quite a bit. Um, And I just always loved being outdoors, being with being with the cows mostly. When I was younger, I always said they were my best friends. And so that is stuck true to today. Um, so I grew up on a ranch, but never really thought about having a career in agriculture. My mom stayed at home with us, but my dad had his own business and balanced 
the ranch as well. And so I always saw myself growing up, going to school, getting a job. Um, and that's what I ended up doing. I, after college, I went to Europe and worked a little bit to teach English to refugee women and then really missed being that small town girl. So came back home and landed a job in the oil and gas industry in sales and partnerships and absolutely loved it. I really feel like I built my career there and learned how to do business and how to build relationships and make sure that the main thing I'm doing is taking care of clients and not just pushing sales. I'm so thankful for my time in oil and gas and incredible mentors there, but I just was missing a little piece of completing me, I felt like, and really just wanted to come back to my roots in agriculture. And so got restless and started looking and then found um, this very similar position at Texas Southwestern Cattle Raisers. Um, we, my family has been members there, so I was very familiar with the association and I love and appreciate what they do. Um, so now I am taking care of all the advertising and partnerships with them. And we have a magazine and events and I get to work with farmers and ranchers on a daily basis and feel like um, I'm helping them promote their products better, which makes a better life for their family, which is so fulfilling for me. So I absolutely love where I'm at right now. That is awesome. Um, so your role in ad- advertising and events, right? Is that what yes. you said? Do you get to do a lot of traveling then for that? Or what all kind of events do you guys get to do? Yes, I do travel quite a bit. Um, I go to anything from bull sales on the weekend with our clients or other industry events like conventions where I will learn about the beef industry or the ag industry. Um, I also go to other trade shows. Some of the things I do are the holiday markets around and um, look for clients because we have a convention every March in Fort Worth that brings about 5,000 people in and we have about 300 vendors. And it's anywhere between the Western lifestyle retail with boots and turquoise to shoots and trailers and um, medication and stuff for the cattle. So it kind of does the whole gamut of what you would need being on a ranch. So I get to go to a lot of events and um, meet with clients and see their products firsthand and have conversations about what their goals are and then how that can fit into what we have to offer, whether it be um, advertising or events. And then we also have about 20 ranch gatherings where we go to all over Texas and Oklahoma and host events where the ranchers can just put in their full day's work and then come and get some education and connection with like-minded people and not have to travel so far to, to get that education. We try to bring it to them when we can. Very cool. What a cool role. That sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, I, a lot of work, but also a lot of fun. Um, yeah. So, Vanity, is that um, what kind of drew you back exactly to being involved in the ag? I know you said you kind of felt like something was missing, but was there anything that inspired you to come back and be involved in agriculture after growing up being somewhat a part of it? Or how did that all ha- unfold? So in 2017, um, I bought what I call my dream ranch and um, started to finally build my own herd. And um, just being, just living here every day and working with the cattle and seeing the needs that I had, I just felt so much more connected to how I grew up. And um, I I loved my clients and what I was doing, but there was no personal connection to it other than I've worked with this person for eight years or, or what it may be. Um, and so I just really wanted to 
to learn more for myself. My dad had all this knowledge that he had passed down and I did a lot of it with him growing up. But now here I am with my own herd and my own crops that I needed to to know more about. And so I just thought if I'm going to pour myself into this, then do it on professionally and personally. And it kind of came full circle for me. Um, so I've just really felt like something was missing from my knowledge that I was having with what I had on my own property. Um, and that's really what brought me back. That's really neat. Um, I think it's always interesting to hear what brings people back who step away for a time or not step away, but, you know, go focus on their career in another realm for a while because it's different for everyone. And some people have like a big moment where they're like, I just need to be back where I'm from and where I'm connected to. And then for some, it's just, you know, a gradual progression back to, but always interesting to hear people's stories around that. How is the the building of your own herd going? Um, What's been some of the big wins there and big challenges there? Um, The challenges are looking at it sometimes from a business perspective and not getting too attached to things. Um, We very recently, my heart is with Herefords. That's what I raised growing up. And that's what I started with. And our herd has evolved into um, a couple of other, we have some Charlay and some um, Angus and just trying to decide what is going to be best. And um, we actually sold my Hereford bull earlier this year and I had a good cry about it because I do get attached. Um, But the biggest challenge has been it being a business perspective and not just having um, pets in the backyard or this is fun. We're going to raise this to feed our family. That's how I was raised. I want to feed friends and the community um, and just finding the best fit for what we have here too. Um, we also, one of the goals I have that I'm slowly starting to try to put into action and speak more about is um, reviving the ranch that we have out in East Texas. We don't currently have a large herd out there and just having conversations conversations with my dad about building that back up and having more space for us to um, have a more um, robust program and um, be able to pour into it more. So really that's the challenge is moving it from a hobby to a business and making sure that you're treating it like a business and doing the proper things, whether it's fun at that time or not. I agree. That's definitely hard, especially if it's something that you do in addition to the rest of your life with, um, you know, a role in a job or it sounds like that's how you grew up as well, that your dad um, had a business and then ranched on the side. It's like where sometimes it's like, where do you draw the line of this is fun and we spend money doing it, but then it also needs to pay for itself a little bit and that kind of stuff. It's always challenging to walk that line when you're at that stage yeah it's been been good learning yeah (laughs) always lots of learning right when the animals and crops are involved um so i've like i said i discovered you and asked you to be on the podcast based on a bunch of tiktoks that i saw you doing um and so i love to hear like what inspires you to spend time doing that because anybody who spends time creating content for social media knows that it's not just like a a small investment of your time it takes time um so curious to hear what inspires you to do that well it started off from um when my job role changed and then it was focused more on agriculture and getting to um talk about my job on social media with just my friends 
everyone had so many questions and was so curious. And really my personal life and a lot growing up, I wasn't around a lot of people who grew up like me. I was always like the odd man out and a little different. And, um, you know, got those, those comments and the weird looks when I talked about raising cattle that we would, um, feed our family with, or even going hunting that we would feed our family that way. And so the more I started posting about it, even as an adult and recently it was the, the questions I got, um, just really made me encouraged to start sharing more about why I do what we do, where food really truly comes from and, um, the, the background behind what we do. And, um, Oftentimes, I feel like marketing is really well done against a lot of agriculture. And so trying to tell the truth behind what I live every day and what I lived growing up and knowing what that looks like. So just wanted to start sharing more um, about where your food comes from and um, what even the animals are. We've done a few things with the schools, especially during COVID when they were closed down. We had um, students come out and just um, was really surprised at, uh, when they wouldn't even know what a cow was and they would think it was a different animal. And so kind of really starting small and I don't have, um, a huge wealth of knowledge as like some of my coworkers and people that I'm around as far as the, um, like the grass fed and things like that. I have some of it and I like sharing those things, but really just the basics is what I like to share about where your food comes from. And, um, and, the the provision that we do with the land. Um, I was talking to some students at a school a couple of weeks ago and talking about how farmers and ranchers really do care about taking care of the land more than what um, it's often said, because this is land that we are going to have to work in order to get money back in order to provide for our family and provide for our animals. We have to care for it properly and we have to make sure that um, it's, it is being taken care of. And so just educating people on the kind of the, the myths that are spread so much, I feel like um, that's really what started it. It's very interesting there in Texas. And we didn't talk about mentioning this beforehand. So hopefully I don't take you off guard, but um, I know there's quite a bit of like legislation being proposed down there because of the rapid growth of some of the cities and using land for development versus agriculture and how does that balance out have you do you know a lot about that or what's going on is there any kind of update you can give us about your opinion on it or how things are being handled yes on a high level um i I keep up with it for sure. And a lot of what we do at Cattle Raisers is um, policy. So I'm not in that field, but I do hear bits and pieces of it. And um, there is some legislative legislation on the table now about protecting um, really the, the right to farm and ranch and um, prohibiting communities and cities from putting um, a lot of stipulations and regulations on existing farms and ranches. Um, and before you had to be an existing farm and ranch for, I believe it was over a year and have a certain amount of income to quantify that that's what you are. Um, so the legislation is has changed so that you don't have to have as much time or as much income proven to be able to protect yourself um, from those rules and regulations. So say that you're farming somewhere and a 
a neighborhood has recently moved in, which is something that's happening where I'm at right now currently. Um, and you're farming and as you're plowing or planting or spraying or what it may be, there's dust created. And then these neighborhoods complain about the dust. And although that may be only a few days a year that you're plowing and creating this dust, um, the louder they get, the more complaints that they make, those go to the city. And then the city um, tries to put regulations on preventing that from happening. And so there's a lot of legislative that's changing and stuff on the table right now to prevent cities from being able to say, you can't have dust, you can't have the smells, you can't do these things. And so um, I understand the need for progression and I love the modern conveniences that are around me. I love being able to be um, in Fort Worth in an hour and have every shopping experience that I could imagine. Um, but there is a trade-off and there is a balance that's needed. And um, if we keep taking up all this rural land, we're not going to have anywhere to farm and ranch and continue these heritage things. Um, like I said, we are actually being faced with two highways coming on both sides of my property. I'll kind of be in a triangle soon. And I knew that was inevitable when I bought, but my parents planned on finishing out their life here and they're just down the street from where I'm at. And so for them, they're looking at walking away from generations of of land there and being pushed out because of pr progress, you know? So there's a fine line and balance and um, that needs to be happen. And I know that Texas is good about having those conversations and cattle raisers is um, active in having those conversations and trying to make sure that um, both sides win and come out with what they need, but that we're preserving this, this heritage of these families that have put um, countless hours and generations into feeding not just America, but the world a lot of times. And I think that's where so much of the content that you and other people who advocate for agriculture put out is important because a lot of folks like it's it's shocking to me almost every time just how far removed the majority of the population is from an agriculture experience of any kind like it's it's just mind-boggling sometimes um even people who grow up you know with a farm right down the road they're just if there's not a reason to be connected to it they haven't had that thought process of, you know, this is where food comes from. And these are activities that happen that may not be ideal for having a house right next to for, you know, whatever those couple of days a year or whatever it is. But I think it's just so important that folks understand that some of those things happen because of the food production. Like, it's not just for fun. They're not just the farmers, not just out there creating a big dust ball for giggles you know they're they're doing what they need to do to farm the land so yeah it's it's interesting to hear kind of and see the legislation there and how that's being handled in texas because with all of the people coming that have come to texas from california it's interesting to see how they handle growth differently there versus how it's been handled in california i love just watching how that stuff unfolds. It's a little distant for me right now because it's not my backyard. It feels probably a little different for you. Yeah, it's very interesting. And um, I think that it's a crucial time for Texas to um, really be able to stand up and preserve the agriculture industry and um, set a precedent for uh, other states that will deal with this in the future or even have dealt with it. And maybe it's not going so well now. Um, so I think it is a crucial time. And I, I like being part of spreading that awareness and being a part of an association that fights for that too. Um, and another thing about 
agriculture and livestock, it's not just the meat and the produce that it goes in the freezer and then goes to the grocery stores to feed. There are so many byproducts that come from agriculture and from um, beef and other livestock. And uh, I think that's something that I'm learning more and more myself to educate myself so I can speak more confidently to. But every time I talk to other people about um the byproducts that are used from agriculture, they just are very shocked. And so um, if you aren't interested in eating meat or eating um, a lot of the um, other things that farmers and ranchers produce, that's great. But then you also need to put down, you know, the makeup and the soap and the tires and things like that. I don't, I don't think that people understand um, the full realm of what agriculture brings to the table more than what you pick up at the grocery store. Absolutely. And with the byproducts that are consumed through agriculture, too. A whole other can of worms there. But um, it's interesting to hear how involved you have gotten, not just in professionally with your role at um, the Texas Cattle Raisers, but also in these other things that you're spending your time on. Do you want to talk a little bit more about the... um, I'm going to fumble the name of the one that you're a founding member of and then the Ag Women Connect... Yeah, so Cowgirls and Cocktails um, is something that a friend of mine started over a year ago, and it started with just a dream of hers, and um, she she asked me what I thought about it. Of course, I'm like, let's let's go. But we both started in different career fields and then came to agriculture. And sometimes that's a hard transition to be um, seen as an outsider at times, even though I feel like I've been here forever. Um, I've definitely had comments made about not. And so she was just talking about creating a networking group for people that are in agriculture in the Western way of life, and also people that are interested in working. Um, I also like to tell people you don't have to be on a tractor or on a horse every day to work in farming and ranching. And so that was a message that she really wanted to spread. So she created Cowgirls and Cocktails. And we meet usually at least once a month. Um, she plans, Lexi, it's her name. She plans lots of incredible events for us. And um, it's been an incredible opportunity to really connect with other women who have worked in agriculture, our fifth generation ranchers and are running huge operations. And then also people like um, Lexi and I who have come in recently and are trying to make those connections and find the ropes. And it's been a really safe place to bring um, dreams and goals and talk about the hardships that we're going through as women in agriculture and then also talk about what we what we want to do what we want to change why we're here and um, what impact we'd like to make in in our current careers or start new ventures um, so it's been so fun to be a part of and it's a very very welcoming um, group and I absolutely love Lexi's vision um, and being part of cowgirls and cocktails so it's usually once a month that we meet and then ad women connect was started by Vanessa pretty recently and that they have chapters um, throughout the United States. And so I was seeing a lot of her posts on social media and we connected on LinkedIn and um, just having this heart to connect with people. Um, she had reached out to me about the Fort Worth and I thought about it and then I um, kind of canceled some meetings thinking I'm not sure if I'm ready to take this on. And then we had a really great conversation and the Fort Worth chapter started um, our first meeting about two months ago. So still very new, but really exciting. And Ag Women Connect is really about connecting women in agriculture and then also letting them share their story, where they came from and why they do what they do. Um, And Vanessa is great about 
including those fifth generation ranchers and those who have a backyard garden. And that's all that will ever be. Um, everyone matters. Everyone's story matters. And so I like being a part of that. For me, it's helpful and um, it, it gives me some some confidence and some um great exposure to people that I can learn from and kind of have mentors. And then I also like being a part of it to welcome other people in because, um, as you know, the agriculture community seems to be dwindling and bringing in people, um, the next generation and, um, people that haven't farmed a ranch. I know there's a, a, a good balance there to, uh, make sure to include people that are passionate about it and want to go about it the, the right way. Um, but I love, I love talking about it. And um, I think the more the merrier, there's room for everybody in some capacity. And obviously with what I do in my professional role is um, a sales and marketing. And so I'm not um, on a horse or on a tractor every day. And I bring different perspective than somebody that's maybe been in sales and marketing and agriculture for um, their entire career. So I think there's room for everybody in um, some capacity. And I'd, I'd rather be there to um, welcome and mentor and guide than to just let somebody um, fall into it and maybe make some mistakes that are really difficult to watch along the way. Absolutely. I think in the progress that we're seeing in this forming connections for women in agriculture is just amazing. Um, I think like there's lots of groups and little things popping up that are giving women more opportunities to kind of figure out what their role is in agriculture, whether they've been on an operation for years, like you said, or they're marrying into an operation or grew up there and have stepped away into a different agriculture role. There's just... I think I've talked about this on a couple of the recent podcast interviews we've done, but I mean, only 2% of our entire U.S. population has ties to production agriculture. That's such a small number. So the fact that anyone, woman or man in agriculture feel might feel excluded at any point is just so bizarre to me. Like, I know why it happens because it's happened to me too. You know, I grew up on a hobby farm. I didn't grow up farming and ranching. Um, and we're still a small operation. So a lot of times, you know, we feel like we are not looked at as real or, you know, serious producers. But it's just such a small percent of the population that we have to be welcoming everyone. We have to be joining forces with people who are doing it all of the different ways and involved in any way possible, or we're not going to have a voice at all in today's society. Unfortunately, we see that all the time. Like we said with the legislation, our voice is so small if we don't join together with other women and other other folks in the industry. Um, we've had a couple other gals on the podcast that um, have roles in connecting women in agriculture. Caroline Rose Bohannon with Cattleman U and then Thea Larson with Cowgirls Over Coffee. So I'm really excited to hear, those are both more like online opportunities for connecting with women. So I'm glad to hear about some that are like more in person too for local communities that you're doing with the Ag Women Connect in your chapter and then the Cowgirls and Cocktails. That just sounds like such a cool way to get more people in your community that you might see and connect with more often versus just online. 
Yeah, especially the cowgirls and cocktails. It is always like bring a friend, you know, come come and join and bring a friend. And um, a few weeks ago, we there was a, a big group of us and we just sat around a table and all shared about um, why we're here and what we want to do. And it was just so inspiring. I walked away with my heart so full and feeling like um, I'm, I'm ready to conquer anything and I, I can take any negative comment for a while because of it. Um, so it was great. And Ag Women Connect does have a lot of opportunities online as well. Also, forward chapter we'll get there um but yeah i i've listened to the um cowgirls of of coffee and um i feel like these podcasts too have been so inspiring to be able to know that there's there's people all over the country that are thinking the same things i'm thinking they're having the same um, fears and concerns and excitements that i'm thinking so it's really great to help you not feel alone and kind of overcome some of those imposter syndrome sometimes too i talk about that a lot with um a lot of my colleagues and friends that I've met, it's just amazing that, you know, you see someone succeeding and doing so well and they're talking to you going, oh, I don't know if I'm making this. And so um, just being able to be vulnerable and and share and come alongside people in the same boat has been invaluable for me. Absolutely. And seeing examples of what it's like for other women, especially if your role in agriculture is like still evolving or changing, depending on where you're at, I think it's so valuable to see what other women are doing and what works for them in their life and just hear, you know, they're doing it this way and these are the struggles that they have so that you can take that and apply it to your life is so empowering. And just, I mean, we all learn more that way. My husband and I actually were just talking about this this morning about how drastically women's roles in agriculture have evolved like pretty rapidly, probably in the last 50 to 70 years. Um, we were talking about the farm or the barn on um, our property. We're on a sixth generation farm. And um, his grandma was telling us that when she was growing up, the women, the girls in the family were not allowed in the barn. It was like off limits, not for the women of the house. The, the boys went out there and they did the work and the girls were not supposed to be in there. Um fast forward to today and there are women driving tractors and like they might be the the owner and the main decision maker that's pulling the trigger on things um and yeah all the way from now women in the office and in these corporate roles in agriculture as well like it is not something that's been happening for a long time this is still super new and super different from how our mothers and grandmothers even grew up in agriculture yeah, that's very true. Even just in my lifetime is when women were able to own a business in their name. And um, thinking about that is so bizarre because I've grown up with so many opportunities and um, and have a business and a, this is my, the operation is mine and in my name and to be able to have something like that and then think um, that was an opportunity that maybe my mom or grandmother would have had is um, very interesting. And you're right, it's rapidly progressed with my role. I I was speaking with a student yesterday about um, how advertising has changed and um, with all the technology that comes out and um, that's, you know, technology that we see within social media, but that you can also use on the the farms and ranch to, to monitor livestock and water. And um, it's come a long way very quickly. It has. As um, a fellow marketing nerd, we can probably dive into this a little bit. What are some of the big changes you think that have happened um, that you've seen that are most different in your role? So coming from kind of corporate to agriculture, uh, I would say the 
advancement what has been at a different pace um and i have a lot more um the advancement has been at a different pace for sure previously um i would have conversations with international clients by email and get business done and now it's a lot more um hands-on and meeting people in person because uh, Farmers and ranchers' dollars are a lot more precious, um, so it's been a lot more crucial to meet these people where they're at. And the print um, marketing has been a lot more successful that I've seen on this side um, within agriculture. The the newsletters and the magazines and the things that are tangible they can take with them and um, have in the barn or in the tractor and be able to look back and reference for information and education um, is is gold with what I'm doing. Um, that is the biggest form of, um, that's what everyone wants is, is print and newsletter. Um, and that's, I love it. I think it is valuable and it'll be around forever, but certainly something that, um, I was a little surprised. I was really anticipating a lot of the, um, more digital and, and we just don't have quite as much of consumers or clients looking for that. That is interesting. Is um, do you think that is because of the age of the average producer or is that any kind of correlation? I do. I think a lot of it has to do with age and a lot of it has to do with um, it's always been this way. You know, I've received this magazine and this new newsletter forever. Um, I, I would like to say that we produce a really good publication and that's partly why. Um, but I do think a lot of it is we're used to getting this in our mailbox every month and that's how I get my news. I'm not going to go to a website when I can read the same thing. You know, we have the same information up on our website. Um, I think that podcasts are huge also for getting education out. We have a podcast. I have a lot of friends that have them and um, I'll listen to them to learn a lot. So I feel like those are really valuable too, a lot more than um, the the social media and the email um, things that I have previously found a lot of success in. I think it's interesting or it will be interesting in the next 10 to 20 years as a lot of these operations start to transition to the next generation as we see the the baby boomers, you know, kind of start to retire or age out of the, the production side, how that will affect the marketing in agriculture. Because honestly, I've, I'm kind of similar. I've seen success on both sides with both digital and print things. Um but it, it'll be interesting to see if as the younger generation gets involved, if things go more digital, which could benefit a lot of ag organizations because it's so much more affordable in a lot of cases that you don't have to do the, you know, the the back legwork of print schedule and printing and mailing and all that. Um, so, yeah, it'll be an interesting time to see some of those changes unfold in our lifetime. I agree. <laughs> For sure. Well, um, Jana, I think that what you um, put into your content on social media is very inspiring. We talked a little bit about like the advocacy, but let's talk about the fun, um, the Western fashion side too. What drew you to doing that stuff? So again, just feeling like in my per my professional life, I came back home. And so now when I'm going to events, I'm not in heels and a cocktail dress. I'm in boots and jeans and what I'm comfortable in, what I wanted to wear all the time. And so it got really fun to 
get dressed to go to these things. And I started sharing my little outfit of the days. And um, I had a lot of people that were in similar positions um, that maybe worked in the corporate world and wanted to either dress a little bit more Western or had moved. And so I had a lot of people reaching out to me saying like, my closet is full of uh, corporate or, or running errands, you know, how do I make this Western? And so sharing the outfits that I put together saying, you know, this is a dress that I wore in corporate America for years. And now here's how I make it kind of that cowgirl, um, corporate cowgirl look. And so it really just started evolving and I've had so much fun with it. And if you know my personality, I am such an introvert and shy and not the center of attention. And so being behind the screen has really given me um, a way to share my life in a comfortable form. Um, so I, I absolutely love it. And, you know, the, the cowgirl culture is so popular right now um, with a lot of the the pop stuff that's going on, which I'm happy for. Um but I just think it's another way that if, if somebody, I've had so many people say, well, I'm, I would never, I can't, I want to buy cowboy boots, but I would never, cause I'm not really a cowgirl. I'm like, girl, yes, yes, you can. I'll go with you, buy the cowboy boots, buy the hat, buy the things. Um, I, I absolutely love seeing people wear, again, just like if you hadn't grown up in the industry, um, it doesn't mean that you never, you didn't grow up wearing boots. You can't wear them now. So I just like sharing that fashion and sharing that everyone can wear it. And if you want to wear it, maybe here's a good way that you can put an outfit together. And then just the, some examples of when I'm going into business meetings, how I dress versus life on the ranch, how I'm going to dress versus going to um, an industry event and kind of giving um, an array of what it looks like. Business casual in Western industry was very bit different than my business casual in corporate America. Um, so that's really where it evolved is I got to start wearing the clothes that I loved wearing and I thought, well, I'm going to share this. And it's been a lot of fun. That's really cool. And I think the like the uptake in interest in the Western culture and clothing and all of that can only do good things for our industry. I know some people like feel like it should only be people who are out there doing it and living that life every day. But I feel like the more people that start being involved in that and wearing Western clothing and that kind of stuff, the more room for innovation that there is. And then the better things that we get out of it, you know, that's the, the, the money talks. Um, so the more people that are buying those things, the more opportunity those brands have to create things that we all love. So I'm excited for that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, um, Jana, I know, I, I know that you have had like some hardships health-wise that you've had to overcome. And I wanted to give you the opportunity today to talk about that and how that's influenced your story, because I think sometimes those are things that we're more, don't know how to bring up or how to talk about, but they're big influences in who we are and that why we do the things that we do. So I'd love to give you the opportunity to share about that and how it's impacted you if you're open to it. Yes. Awesome. Thank you for this opportunity because it's something that's in my mind 24-7. I want to talk about all the time, but I don't know how to bring it up. So I'm going to try to not get emotional when I say anything. Um, it, I had a kind of a health tragedy about um, in 2016 and um, everything changed because of a, a botched surgery that I had. And I was with the company in corporate America when it happened. And so they watched me go through the um, the, the massive up and downs. I had 24 surgeries within two years to try to get back on track. But 
I was with that company. They took care of me. They knew what was happening. They knew um, that j- my job was my number one priority and I felt very secure there. So thinking about leaving and coming to another job, I my heart needed to be back in agriculture. I needed to slow down a little bit and I needed a change for partly for my health, honestly. Um, especially when COVID happened, that's when I made the transition. And it was just like, I didn't feel um, comfortable with some of the things that I was doing in my previous role, flying internationally and things like that. So um, I was very scared to come to a new company who, yeah, you have health problems, but they didn't see the history. They didn't walk through it with me. Um, so it's been a huge concern, insecurity, fear, all the things. Um, Two weeks ago, I was supposed to go on my first company business trip and I was in the hospital the night before and didn't end up going. Um, And they have handled it well, like so gracious, everything's great. But um, always having that in the back of my mind is, um, it, it brings a lot of insecurity where I'm at in my personal life and in my professional life. Like um, when you can't trust your body and you can't count on your body to be there for you when mentally you're there and you're ready, but physically you may not be, um, it's a really, it plays a heavy role on my mental health to constantly be like, I feel okay, I'm good, I can do this, we're all right. And and fake it until you make it a lot of times. a lot of people don't know how I feel most of the time because I just put a smile on and I'm out there and I can make that 30 second TikTok and then go lay lay in bed and nobody knows. And so um, I do want all, any of my platforms to consist of recognizing that there's a lot of mental health surrounding um, health issues. I didn't have mental health problems or um, concerns until my health declined. Um, and so they're very much one of the same for me. And, um, I want my platform to be a way that it's, um, a safe place for people to express when they're feeling that. And then for me express it, but it is hard sometimes. Like nobody wants to hear about how you don't feel good every single day. I don't want to talk about how I don't feel good every single day. Nobody wants to hear it. So, um, definitely working through finding the balance of that, um, but I've found for me, even on the days that it's difficult, getting up and going outside just to sit has been so refreshing. And um, I, I worked from home with my previous job, but I work from home now too. And I, that will have to be a part of my career the rest of my life because being able to just go sit outside and see the cows or the crops, it's like, okay, I got, I'm good. It kind of brings that um, balance back to life when people talk about, um, going barefoot and walking in the grass really grounds you. Like it really does that for me. And so, um, it's a struggle in my career and in my personal life to deal with, but it's something that, um, I don't have a choice and try to, um, try to give myself grace and anyone that's going through stuff, like you're not, not crazy and you're not weak and, um, nobody cares that you can't do as much as them. Um, just having to really remind myself that, um, I'm allowed to rest. I'm allowed to take breaks. I'm allowed to say, I can't do that anymore. Like 10 years ago I could, um, today I can't. Um, but also remind myself that I have these dreams and these goals and I want to continue to travel and I want to continue to grow, um, my operation and my career and, um, set good achievable goals that I'm not going to overdo it. Um, 
it's, it's a perfect balance, but definitely giving myself grace and realizing that stopping sometimes is absolutely okay. And I don't have to keep the same pace as um, the person next to me or the person that I was 10 years ago. Um, it's fine for me to go at the pace that m- my story requires. Uh, that's a beautiful way to say that, just that that's the pace that your story requires. I love that. It's very empowering to hear you talk about that and to talk about, you know, that it's a daily thing. It's not just, you know, like it's not just recovering from surgery. It's not just the physical part of it. It's the mental toll that it takes. And the like you said, not being able to trust your body or not feeling like other people necessarily see you the same type of thing. That's it's it takes a big toll. It takes a uh a lot out of a person um, to be thinking those things uh, and consistently worrying about them. But like you said, it's the finding the little pieces of your day that you can do good and feel okay and and leaning into that and the leaning into the following the dreams that you want to pursue and doing it at your own pace. I love that. I want to ask um, about that botched surgery that you mentioned. Um, what was that like processing what all happened with that? Because what, from what I know and what I've heard about that story so far, I'm like, I would just feel so angry. I feel like for so long, um, is, is, what's your experience been? Um, there's definitely a lot of anger, which is where, um, the depression comes in. I didn't realize how closely anger and depression were related, um, I've been through a whole host of things in my life, like any bad thing you can think of has probably happened to me. And I am most angry about this. And I think it's because I very much see it as a direct um, a, a mistake that could have been avoided. And it makes me angry. Um, I went into the hospital for some back pain and then was told I need to have my gallbladder removed. I asked to go home and I was told I could not go home. I ended up having a surgery that didn't really fix anything. Um, the doctor cut my bile duct and an artery while he was taking my gallbladder out and didn't know. And so closed me up and sent me home. And I was sick and I was having problems and they said I was jaundiced at the fever. They said I was fine. And so I went back to the hospital and that's when they realized what happened. So then I had a major surgery and was in the hospital for about 10 days. Um, and they repaired my bile duct. And then three months later, that bile duct failed. So they had to repair it again. And then this time they put a stent in. And then I had... Um, surgery every other week to change the stent out to enlarge it so that it would my bile duct was at a good size where it would stay and the scar tissue wouldn't take it over and there's no guarantee that the scar tissue won't collapse it and i can't have that surgery again it's not an option if my gallbladder collapses or my bile duct collapses and so there's a lot of like what if that happens again And recently when I was in the hospital, like two weeks ago, I was having those same, um, I was having the same symptoms. And so that's why I went to the hospital. Luckily, it's not what it is. I'm okay. Um, but yeah, that's what's in the back of my mind day to day is I could just be sick again. And then it's a problem. So I'm definitely furious and that's where, um, and I don't feel like I got any like retribution from it either. The doctor is still practicing. Um, you know, the hospital sends a little like, sorry, oops here, you know, 
And so there was no like justice done in my mind. Like, yes, I'm walking around fine. I'm living my dreams. I'm going on vacation. There's a lot of people that could say, um, you're fine. What are you talking about that you have problems? So there's a lot of people that do. Um, but it's that day-to-day of you don't see me um, getting up and being sick regularly. And you don't see that constantly at the back of your mind of how how, how short is my life going to be cut because of this? Um, and so I saw a psychiatrist for a while about the the mental health part of it. And I really learned the connection between anger and depression. And um, depression is what I deal with more than anxiety. I have that as well. Um, and for about three years, it was very dark. Um, and then finally just was so sick of living, so depressed and so upset all the time. Um, and was having some really dark, dark thoughts. And I was like, okay, this is going to happen or it's not. I'm either going to not be here or not live like this anymore because this is not sustainable for me. Um, so there was a couple of like really rough moments and like, I will forever owe so much to Jimmy, like the way that he stood by me and stood in the gap for me when I needed him, like amazing. So we got through some like really rough times. And then it was like, it was like night and day after one event happened one evening, it was like night and day that like, never again, am I going back to those thoughts? Never again. Will I be that dark? I have bad days and I have rough moments, but never again will the thought cross my mind that like, I'm not going to live all my dreams out. I'm not going to not accomplish everything I've ever wanted. Um, and it was really about like rebuilding goals and setting achievable goals for me. Like, what am I doing now? I bought this dream range I have. I survived this crazy surgery. I find this man that I don't deserve. That's going to spend the rest of my life with me. Like now, what am I going to do? And so really trying to take the focus off the anger and what happened and putting it on let's find this new job in this career field that I grew up in and have passion for. And let me pour my life into making a difference for people that are like-minded and that need my help so much more than some of these corporate companies that have billions to play with. Let me go work with these farmers and ranchers that have this tiny, tiny budget and let me make a difference for them. And what am I doing next with like my family ranch in East Texas? Let's revive that. Let's do that. So really making a conscious choice to shift my focus from being so angry and i am still a lot but choosing to say i'm gonna i'm choosing joy today i'm gonna find one thing that i'm gonna find joy in and then we're gonna go with that and the next day it's a little easier and a little easier then you crash again and kind of rebuild that um but really just setting some achievable goals for me that i could say like i have this purpose and this story will mean something someday. I don't see the why right now. And I don't see the value in me going through that hell right now, but it will mean something someday because everything else has meant something. Every story I have has made an impact and I couldn't get out of my head how mad I was that it happened to let it be a positive and let it be something that was going to change someone else's life or help somebody else along through what they were going through. So I really had like come to Jesus meeting and, um, really had a conversation about like, no, I'm going to go back to, um, 
living and thriving and and making the most of what I can. So it's a very long drawn out story. I just appreciate how vulnerable you were just then. Um, That's hard to do. But I think, you know, we know that mental health is a huge challenge for so many people in our industry and in a very different way. You know, they haven't faced the same things that you have faced, but that day to day situation of dark thoughts and feeling like you don't have control over what's next is it it can get you to some really dark places. Um, I'm so thankful that you have taken that that step past that to to be like you know I'm never going back there again that's so powerful Um, and I'm just so happy for you that that's where you got to be Um, I hope that folks listening understand um, and hear that story like with a with a soft heart because it it sank in a lot for me you know um just choosing joy every day because in a a lot of ways when you're faced with a medical situation like that the humanity becomes very apparent of you know don't know what tomorrow looks like but that's true for all of us you know we we don't realize it we don't think about it like that because it we haven't been hit in the face with it like you have but it's true for all of us so choosing joy every day and figuring out the little things that we can choose to focus on instead of the fear and the not knowing and that is is what is so powerful so thank you so much for sharing that i know it's not easy to do so i really appreciate you being willing to well, thank you for letting me share that part of my story. It's definitely something that I don't know how to bring up appropriately because this is my reaction a lot of times. But um, but you're right there. We we aren't guaranteed tomorrow. And um, finding small, achievable goals really helps me. And I think um, I think it can help anyone dealing with that. And I read the book called It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. And that really helped change my perspective um, that. I had a story in mind that my life is going to look like, and it drastically changed and it's not supposed to be this way, but it is. And we're going to make it work. I'm going to have to check that book out. That sounds really good. Um, Cause yeah, so often that is the case. The things that we envisioned for ourselves aren't what ends up happening, um, but we can still find ways to make it wonderful all at the same time. A lot of people don't know. um, I think that that's where the mission from Farming on Purpose came from is for me, that's the purpose that I found. Um, That's the the reason why of like, this is where we're headed. This is what's keeping me going every day. Um, That sense of purpose that you find when you say, okay, these are the dreams that I have and I'm going to find a way to make them work no matter what situation comes my way. Um, so it's really cool to hear that that's a lot of the same for you and, and you fulfilling the dreams that you have. Well, I, um, I am so glad, um, that you agreed to come on the podcast to Jana and share all of the wonderful things in your mission, um, connecting women in agriculture, working through the hard times. And I can't wait to hear more about how your operation grows and how you revive um, the family ranch in East Texas. Hopefully there's lots of updates coming on that. I can't wait to to hear. And for everybody else who's listening, check Jana's social media out for those outfit of the days because you will be inspired for sure. (laughs) 
<laughs> to find new ways to make um, your outfits joyful. That's what I love the most. Like it's never boring with your outfits. It's always something fun and something unique. So I appreciate that you put time into that for people who are boring like me and don't know how to dress ourselves. Um, but where can people follow up with you? Where can they learn more about you and see what you're up to next? So I'm a huge proponent of LinkedIn. You can find me there at Jana Arp. Um, I have a TikTok and it's J Arp Ranch. That's E-A-R-P. And my Instagram is J Arp Ranch as well. Um, or you can email me at jarpranch at gmail.com. I would love to connect, especially um, with other women and um, anyone dealing with mental health. Um, absolutely love to connect. Follow me. I'll follow you and um, we'll grow better together. Beautiful way to end that there, growing better together. I love that. Thank you so much for being here today, Jana. Thank you for having me. If you've enjoyed spending time with us today, please take a moment to review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or join the conversation on social media. Do you have a topic you would like to discuss or know someone with a story to share? Apply to be a guest on the podcast at farmingonpurpose.com. You can follow the host of Farming on Purpose, Lexi, on your favorite social media platforms for more content by searching for Farming on Purpose. And remember, if you look around your table and aren't inspired by the people there, it's time to find a new seat.